Welcome to this Bible Center Church Core class. We hope that this in-depth teaching of God's Word will challenge you to grow in your knowledge of Him and help you become a disciple who makes more disciples. here at our core classes. We are jumping into the church section. We just got done talking about the church universal. Now we're going to go through four classes on the church local. We get a little bit more specific on how the church functions on a local level. A good question we need to ask at the beginning is what are the elements or expectations? Like what what are the things that make a church a church? How do you distinguish between a group of people who love Jesus who are just hanging out versus an actual functioning church? Here would be on the board the things I would suggest to you are the main essential ingredients to cause a church to be a church. One, we have to see the Word and prayer, the Word being taught and preached and prayer taking place. Notice I didn't put singing. Singing is great, but it isn't necessarily a core essential. It's not necessary. If someone chose not to sing, it doesn't mean they're no longer a church. But if they took out the Word of God or prayer, it would not be a church. The ordinances, which are baptism and the Lord's Supper, which we'll talk about in a little bit, Christ has called the church to do those two things ongoingly until he comes back. Without those elements, it is not a church. We also see right from the very beginning, the church gathers together, and the church also scatters throughout the week, but still is the church. Uh, the description, Acts chapter 2, verse 46, and Acts chapter 20, verse 20, from the very beginning, the church is together, but it's also scattered into homes. So we say both of these elements are part of the church as well. The church spends times together, often doing the two things that are listed above, the Word and ordinances, along with prayer. Also, the church doesn't just dissolve. The church isn't a one-day-a-week thing. The church is an every-day-of-the-week thing. So you actually live life together as the church, which is this concept of being scattered. Now, very quickly after this, as people become the church, they do elect leaders, elders, and deacons. But the core essentials would be normally these things. This is pretty consistent in terms of what we consider the core essentials of a church being a church. So if you have a group of believers together hanging out and these things aren't there, it's just a group of believers hanging out. If they're doing all these things, it's actually a functioning church. So in your book, at the top of the page that we're on, it should say the church local. We've kind of already talked through the first section. Now we're going to talk about leadership. And there's some specific issues that we could talk through in depth. Um, some of these I just gave you in, in your appendices. I'm going to let you kind of go and read and study those on your own, but let me highlight those. Uh, there's two major offices, elders and deacons. Elders are called to lead. Deacons are called to serve. The basic offices uh, we're going to cover, but there's some more in-depth discussions in the back. And here's what some of them include. How do women fit into this picture? And there's more than one point of view. Uh, of how women fit into the deacons and elder roles. Do they? Don't they? What are the arguments for each side? I have a longer section in the back where I work through a lot of that stuff. So I would encourage you to go there and discuss it. This wouldn't be part of our essential core classes, but one day maybe we'll go a little bit more in depth into these subjects. Also, I'm going to talk about overseers slash elders slash pastors, but I have a more in-depth discussion in the back as well as deacons, and even some shepherding principles. So I would encourage you to go back to that and look at that. Some other questions that are considered in the appendix are, can a divorced person serve in a church office? Some churches say yes, some churches say no. So I put together a discussion on the different points of view on that, and kind of even where Bible Center lands and kind of what they practice at the moment. 
Uh, can a woman serve in the role of elder or deacon? Again, that lands into that discussion on women in ministry. So let's talk a little bit about elders. And you can follow along in your book. I'm going to turn this into kind of a whiteboard discussion and create a, a picture that kind of describes what I want us to emphasize and talk about when it comes to elders. Now, when it comes to elders, one of the most important things is character. If they do not have godly character, then they're not even in a position to become an elder. Like, that's the starting point. That's the basis. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1 outlines the character qualifications. You can go through that. I also go into a deeper discussion in the appendix about that. But it's very clear. It is spelled out. You know, the fact that you need to have a certain level of character. There also needs to be competency. So you have to have a level of competency. One of the expectations for an elder is that you are able to teach. If you're not able to teach and you never do any teaching, then you don't land in the elder position. You just don't. Another reality is we need chemistry. Where is chemistry in the Bible? Well, Ephesians 4, 2 and 3 talks about the fact that we are called to preserve the unity of the Spirit. If you've got a group of leaders that just cannot get along, then we can't even, from the top level of the church, begin to experience the unity that Christ has called us to have. So there has to be some level of chemistry between the leaders. So these three things are necessary to even be considered a candidate to be a an elder, pastor, overseer, or even bishop in a church. I use all those terms because all those terms are pretty much synonymous with one another in the New Testament. Any of those terms could be used to describe it. First thing we have to realize is that Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is always the head of the church. Any church leader serves under Jesus. Jesus is the chief shepherd. Every elder is an under-shepherd under Jesus. And when Jesus is described in Scripture, we see three roles that he plays. He is prophet, he is a priest, and he is a king. Those are the ways that he leads us, his people, and leads his church. He's a prophet in that he speaks for God to us. Of course, he is God, but he speaks to us. As a priest, he prays for us to the Father. He mediates for us. He steps in the gap for us as a priest. He's a king. He rules, and he leads, and he determines direction for us. That's how Jesus leads. So anyone who's an elder is following under the leadership of Jesus, and they're required to have some of these skills to fully function as an elder. So Jesus leads the elders. And notice I use the word S. Whenever you see in 1 Timothy, Titus, where it talks about them starting new churches or to build up the church that exists, they're told to basically put elders with an S in place to lead the church. You never see someone putting a single elder in place. It's always a plurality of some sort. So if you're in a church where there's only one lead person, he doesn't answer to anyone, and there's no collaboration between that pastor and anyone else, he stands alone as the only authoritative figure, which some smaller churches do, that can be dangerous. God's designed that individual to have some accountability, to have some additional people to speak into his life on the same level of authority um, as, as he has. So what does Jesus do? Jesus feeds the elders through his word. He leads the elders as king, 
and he prays for the elders. So Jesus is doing these things for elders. So when it comes to the church and those in the church, the elders are called to reflect Jesus in the way they act. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to put a cross there because they only do this in and through Jesus. The elders are called to function as prophets. And that's not an Old Testament concept. This is more of like a, the role that Jesus has where the elders are called to preach the word. Preach and teach the word. They are speaking for God to man through his word. Elders must do that. Also, they need to function as a priest, which means that they pray for the people of God. So as I write that on the board, you see that they, we are function as prophets. Elders are prophets, they're priests, and they're also called to show some level of leadership. They lead the people forward, and that's a kingly responsibility. So you see elders are called to be a prophet, priest, and king, which means that they're called to lead, feed, and intercede. If you want to use something that rhymes, they're called to lead, feed, that is preaching the word, and to intercede, which is prayer. They're called to do those three things. Now, again, with the concept of elders, that means that this is an elder. There's other elders on either side. So it's a team who is leading together. So this is where we need to see unity and uh, chemistry. So this is the function in which elders are called to lead. Okay? So if they don't function this way, they're falling short of the roles. So we have character, competency, chemistry, and basically what I just outlined here are the roles of the prophet, priest, and king. So those are the four major areas that we have to talk about and think about uh, when it comes to figure out who is an elder and who's not an elder. So as we jump a little bit farther into the book, when it comes to deacons, deacons, at the top of the page, it says it has a two on it. Deacons are lead servants in the church. Deacons are still called to have a certain level of character which rivals that of the elder. They're called to have that same level of godliness in their life. If they don't, then they shouldn't be a deacon. So what's the difference then between a deacon and someone who's an elder? Someone who is a deacon is someone who isn't necessarily called to be able to preach and teach. Their main role is to serve and to make sure that those who are called to preach and to teach and to pray for the people have the ability to do so. Uh, I've heard it described as them, them being shock absorbers for the church. They're shock absorbers so the church can keep going forward and moving forward. So in terms of competency, deacons simply need to be competent to serve with the gifts that God has given them. Deacons will often have a particular area of gifting and a preference. There are many areas where a deacon can serve. There's physical needs in the church. We see in James chapter 1. Uh, there's areas of service where we need to free up pastors to pray and to preach. Some can serve children and serve families. There's physical needs of the building. You can have a deacon who mows the grass, a deacon who does facility updates. Biblical references attempting to connect the role of deacon to money tables is awkward and weak. Some people think the deacon's primary role is simply to count the money and make decisions about the money. Because there are some passages where we see deacons connecting to tables, and the idea is that tables are connected to the counting of the money. Uh, we just have to be careful with that. That is not a strong 
connection in Scripture. That is not a clear teaching in Scripture. In fact, in some ways, it's very forced when it comes to understanding Scripture. And it also simplifies the role in a way that misses the beauty of the role. If the only role is to be in charge of the money, then the idea of serving in such a way that frees up the pastors to preach and teach and pray, it doesn't happen. And all the beautiful gifts that people have been given to serve and to build the church, they're not honored and they're not considered lead servants, that is, deacons. So it is of great value for a church to have fiscally gifted deacons, because some are gifted there. We want deacons to help us with money. Um, and they'll help us with collecting money and financial oversight. But this service may indeed free up elders for prayer in the Word. So it is a crucial part, but it's not the only part. So we don't want to undervalue deacons. The last point there on that page says it can be particularly dangerous if we think this is the only role of deacons. This leaves service vacancies all over the church and places individuals with non-financially gifted, with non-financially related gifts in the wrong place to serve. One more thought. Let's go to the, the next page, and at the top it says chemistry. Let's just talk about this for a second when it comes to church and kind of church government and church leaders. On a macro level, there must be biblical preeminence of service in the office of deacon within the church. Deacons do not biblically hold a position of power, sway, voting, or shepherding. That's just not biblically how deacons are described. Deacons are described as lead servants not those who make decisions or retain a bunch of power. Without this biblical perspective, a church can begin to function like a government, government with multiple branches. Uh, the church is not the U.S. Constitution. It's not U.S. Constitution-based. It's the Bible that dictates how the church is to function. So there's not multiple branches of government. There's not an executive branch that argues with the judiciary branch in the church. The elder, the elder board, or the elders, are those who make decisions. The deacons are those who serve. There's no power play between the two. One serves the others. Checks and balances are provided by the expectation of the plurality of elders and even a congregational element to decision-making. Because one might say, well, if the deacons don't keep the elders in check, well, the reason why there are multiple elders are that the elders are called to keep one another in check and then the congregation speaks into the elders. And it's through the congregation that you determine their character, whether or not they have the ability to serve. So if the character is there, if the competency is there, which comes from the, the, the church as a whole saying, we believe they have competency, we believe that they have everything that they need when it comes to character, and then chemistry is assessed, then yeah, within the board itself, there is a natural creation of accountability for the elders, and the elders function as the leaders. There's a quote from a book by a guy named Strzok. It says, even more troublesome is the fact that deacons are often placed into this competitive role with the shepherds of the local church. This practice is a proven formula for prolonged church warfare. Another, verse, another quote says, in their zeal for deacon renewal, many churches have gone too far beyond the bounds of Scripture. They have placed too much authority and diverse responsibilities into the hands of deacons. On an individual level, the same issues apply to the deacons as listed earlier with elder chemistry. Deacons, they basically display the beauty of Jesus in this way. Jesus was the greatest of all servants. Mark 10.45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom to many. The deacons in the church display this incredible passion 
and commitment to service that Jesus showed us when he came and died on the cross in our place. The position of deacon is beautiful, and the church needs it because it points the church to Jesus. On a daily basis, Jesus gave of his time, he gave of his energy and his resources to help those around him. He gave up his possessions, his prestige, his power for the sake of, of those he needed to preach to and those he needed to teach to. Even in his last moments, Jesus, with an impending crucifixion, gets on his hands and knees and washes the feet of the disciples. All Christians are called to be servants, but deacons will live out and demonstrate these qualities in such a way that they are called lead servants, and they lead us in this category of the church, in this element of the church. So elders lead, deacons serve, and when it functions properly, uh, there's beautiful chemistry within the church. And those who are called to preach have the ability to do so. And those who are called to pray and intercede for the people of the church, they have the ability and the time to do so. And those who have the skills to serve are given the opportunity to serve and are acknowledged and celebrated within the church. So that's how the church functions together. All right, so good stuff with that session. Uh, next time we get together, we're going to go to session four. I look forward to that discussion. I'll see you then.